nonetheless, it doesn't mean you don't value human life. Um, you may not oh, yeah. necessarily think it's sacred or, you know, whatever, but it's not something to be taken lightly, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Especially um, fat people. Especially fat people. I mean, mm-hmm. all, I mean, yeah, I mean, fat people are to take them lightly, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. Thank you for that. Evening, Ben. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Um, what's happening in your life? What's happening in my life? Uh, I'm trying to get active and fit again. We discussed last week, uh, recently, about you jogging. I'm trying to get on the oh, yeah. jogging and walking and exercise train. And the drinking arm. Exercising the drinking yeah, arm. Yeah, drinking's on and off, on and off. I'm trying, <laughs> I, I haven't drank much this week, but tonight I am, have been drinking... <laughs> Excellent, good. Uh, what are we talking about today? Talking about death. <laughs> death. Good. Now, we're talking about assisted dying. Mm. It's been back on the agenda. We're expecting it back in Parliament, uh, the House of Lords soon. And uh, the Times have been running a bit of a campaign on it. So I thought I'd give my very important and much sought opinion on the matter. Great, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a monologue. Going to have a monologue and put it like here, maybe? Here? In 2017, my dad died of cancer. In his final hours, he suffered and he pleaded for death. His pain was unbearable. He whimpered like a child or a stuck animal. He had been lucky, though, to an extent, because in his 10-year battle with cancer, he hadn't suffered the intense, unbearable pain that he felt on his final day. He did, however, suffer as the pace of his physical decline picked up in his final months and his quality of life had diminished totally as his suffering increased and all of life's little pleasures became unavailable to him and he was fed up with life. I was thinking about this again recently as assisted dying returned to the political agenda. It pops up every few years only for the debate to lead nowhere as MPs cower away from bringing about change that the public support. Although it's a complex and contentious issue, public opinion on the matter is very clear. In 2019, a YouGov study on the beliefs of the left and right wing showed that support for assisted dying was the nation's most closely bipartisan view. Research released in August shows overwhelming public support for assisted suicide for patients suffering from terminal illness. MPs remain divided on the issue and completely out of step with the public. Almost three quarters of British people, 73%, think the law should be changed to allow doctors to assist in the suicide of someone suffering from a terminal illness. That includes 74% of Conservative voters and 76% of Labour voters. That's compared to just 35% of MPs who feel the same way. Next month, Baroness Meacher, the crossbench peer, will introduce a new bill into the House of Lords. It's the fourth to go before Parliament in the last 15 years. 
The Times has been exploring the issue, with Matthew Said and Daniel Finkelstein writing in support of change, and Daniel Kruger, MP, arguing against it. This is another one of those issues we've explored in the podcast before, where I've been uncertain, and I've wavered. But as I read the arguments in favour of assisted dying, I realised I found them more credible, and seem to be firmly in the pro-camp now. On top of that, this is just one of those issues, again, where life experiences have led me to rethink the issue. I'll never forget the day my dad died. I was there by his bedside the whole day, watching him die. I watched him draw his last breath. Ultimately, he was assisted to die. Well, we didn't call it that. He was given doses of morphine continually to manage his pain until it killed him. So when it comes, becomes obvious to everyone in the room that the patient is on their last legs and has no desire to suffer anymore, they've reached that final stage in their decline when reviving them to live another day would be actually an act of cruelty. They are often offered so much pain relief that it's the morphine pumping through their veins that finishes them off. And we should be grateful for that. In my dad's final weeks, he had a hospital bed in his living room. He spent much of his time asleep and his ability to do things he enjoyed were finally taken from him. Then the real indignity of his physical state began to kick in. I remember one day, I was looking after him, and I went out to pot to the shop to get something to eat for dinner. And I received a text from Dad saying that I'd left the front door open or I hadn't shut it properly, and it had blown open. He was cold and distressed, and he didn't have the power in him to actually stand up on his own two feet, on his own volition. My big, strong, strapping Dad couldn't stand up anymore. It broke my heart. And I had to help him out of his seat when I got back. He was like a man 30 years senior, like he was in his 90s. So weeks later, he he was taken into the local community hospital in the knowledge he was unlikely to come out. Now, I've no doubt that his steep decline in his health and the quality of life factored into his pleading to the nurses to help him die. Of course, the more immediate problem was the extreme pain he was suffering. But his final months had already taken his will to live. Just knock me out, he said to the nurses. I just want to go, I just want to go, he said. His eyes glazed over, in agonising pain, whimpering. I just want to go. I will never forget those words. I'll never forget the tone in which he said them. So my distraught mum was asking the nurse in language deemed a bit too direct to, to help him, you know, help him to go. And she was steered away from literally asking help to end his life because assisted dying is illegal. It's a little bit farcical. Eventually, the doctor came to visit and was given further doses of morphine to manage his pain. And he spent the last three hours of his life entirely within the confines of his own morphine-addled mind. Then, his breathing became increasingly laboured and heavy and, sh- and shallow, and eventually basically suffocated and choked on his own saliva, which he could no longer swallow. Different choices could have been made from the beginning. His life could have possibly been extended, but it would have been a pretty grim extension of a life no longer worth living. It pains me to say. Now, it's difficult to believe that similar scenarios aren't playing out up and down the country. I know that very similar happened to my mum's father when he was ready to go. So if assisted dying is already happening, but unregulated, and people are even be able to make a trip to other countries where it's legal, should we not look at this issue again? Public opinion has firmly shifted towards legalising assisted dying, so it's probably only a matter of time now. So it's less time should be spent now arguing about the moral principle, and we should move on to discussing how exactly assisted dying would work in this country. We know there's problems in other countries, 
We know there's sick, pe sick people who feel like a burden to their families or sick people who have bad actors within their families. There's a real risk of going down that route when it isn't yet necessary. More importantly, disabled people will also need serious protection as they already don't receive equal treatment in this country. Really need, to, need some serious safeguarding measures. There should be no rush to change the law, but the possibility of change must be given serious consideration so that people can die with dignity and in peace rather than having their own suffering prolonged as their quality of life is diminished to nothing. Yeah, so this is yet another issue. I mean, I, I'm trying to start to wonder which issues on, in politics and society that I am actually sure about because every week, not every week because we don't record every week, but it, many of the episodes recently have been, here's an issue that I wasn't sure about, but I am sure about now, and so should you be. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? You're certain about Brexit? You're certain about, you know, no, yeah, black, yeah. <laughs> getting rid of freedom of movement? You're, no, you're no, certain about uh, hate, hatred for black people? and. <laughs> So if I have opinion now that I've just recently expressed, you should expect that I'll have probably changed my mind within two to three years. Good That's the guide to go by. But this is one of those issues that is quite is difficult, and uh, it's probably one of those issues where I really I can sympathise and understand both sides of the argument. I don't think it's one of those things where you should be really self-righteous about it or not try and empathise with both sides of the argument because it's it's emotional, really, isn't it? It's emotional. So, yeah, it's emotional. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's yeah, so it's it's quite quite complex, isn't it? Really, the you know the, the different parts, different moving parts of it. Um, and I guess it's the we should be cautious about just like jumping in and saying assisted suicide is or assisted dying. There's an interesting thing there about terminology, actually, isn't there? Yes, they call it assisted I, dying. Assisted and dying. It was was assisted suicide. So what? Some, no, no, some people would say just, it's actually. Some people would say it's actually murder, wouldn't they? Exactly. Well, yes, especially people who are against is they often don't say it's murder. They just sort of imply it's murder. Don't use the word murder. But yeah, it, it, and so what is it? What is assisted dying, Matt? I don't know. What is it? Um, a, when a person suffering from a terminal or incurable condition. Is helped to take their own life, especially by means of lethal drugs provided by a doctor, or a shotgun, or a shotgun, pillow to the face, mm -hmm. or just big, you know, big pummeling, punch, pummeling, yeah, big punches, yeah, uh, thrown off a cliff. Yeah. Whatever methods you like, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just it'll be quite a high cliff. You're helping them to die. You know, like yeah. you know, person says their life's a bit of a bummer. You kick the head in and stave their head in with something. You're just helping them out. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why people say that shouldn't be legal. <laughs> why, why can't you do that? I don't <laughs> understand why. Like, you're just helping them out, you know. They're, they're said to you, that's oh, just not working out for me. And you bash their head <laughs> in with a blunt instrument. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. yeah, assisted dying. I'm glad we're taking the issue seriously. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so... I've written on this this week, which may or may not have been published. It might just be in my Word document draft folder so far. But we might we might have to take your word for it. Was what you're saying? I've taken my word for it. It's published. I'm a published writer, a very important person. Mm -hmm. um, and this is this is something that's been. It comes on and off the political agenda, but nothing really happens. 
people express their opinions and nothing really happens in Parliament because MPs don't really seem impassioned to do something about it. And I guess... What's the uh, what's the case against? A case against? Okay, so let's just be straight up with the uh, the listeners, what we're going to get up You're here. like a gavel, gavel sound effect, are you? The case against. The case against. Okay. So I've gone on to care.org.uk, which is, has a nice summary. A bit, we can also refer to the article in the Times by... Uh, by um, Danny Kruger MP, um, who's argued against, and and my my own personal perspective, where it seems like you know you give doctors the right to decide who dies, and you can see how that could be misused. You can see how that could be end up being used too too casually. There's a thing here says reports from Netherlands where euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide illegal, um, revealed that the uh, doctors do not always report it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good... So the regulation of it and, and how, how formal it is is a bit worrying. And if you're in pain from an illness where you could actually recover, but, it, you know, at that point, even mm. if it's a prolonged state of pain... Um, you are to die and then can be killed. It might have been premature. It, it's obviously something, an issue that's not. It's not black or white or simple. It, it's quite worrying how how easy it could become for. Well, it's just it's. You should think it's not. Death's not something to be taken lightly. And putting you know you don't want to start putting people down like we put dogs down. No offense to dogs, but you know. Little bit of pain, <laughs> whimper, whimper. Why, why did you have to bring dogs into this? What, I don't know. We're probably more sympathetic to dogs than we are people. But mm. <laughs> dogs, you know, you put you. Oh, you've broken your leg. <laughs> You're in pain. <laughs> I'm gonna have to kill you now. It's uh, gonna be really expensive to keep you going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So th- that's the point. That, um, so Danny Kruger says about that. Fifty-three um, percent of people in Oregon, in the United States. Uh, Oregon. Where it's, where it's, uh, Oregon, sorry. Yeah. Uh, where it's legal. 53, Oregon. 53% of people said they felt like a burden on their family and friends. So people who are seriously ill, uh, you will, you know, you've, you've been cared for so much and, you, and you're not able to look after yourself. You're going to feel like a burden to your family and friends. Perhaps you would, therefore, ask for assistance dying uh, to be assisted to die prematurely when you could still survive. Maybe we could go on to live a full life. Maybe you could prolong your life long enough for it to be uh, worth, you know, keeping fighting. You know, so yeah. Maybe your family are just like a bunch of dicks as well, and like act act put out by the slightest thing. Yeah, and like, that, oh, that's, got, that's actually true. Or, yeah. yeah, you know, you've yeah, reminded so me you, of a point yeah. I've not thought about before. There must be many examples where. <laughs> where where, you know, the people who are... Because, let's face it, um, they'll take the um, the, patient, the patient's request, but there's always going to be influences around on the doctors and on the patient. And if they sure. are not... Uh, if they are a malicious influence, then then you, you've got trouble there as well, and that's bound to happen. I mean, is this, some, is this something you've thought about before? Because, as I said, like, in the point of the piece I wrote and the monologue is... Is that it's another one of those things where I've not been absolutely certain, and and the emotive arguments against are quite convincing because it you fear that it could become sort of an almost a bureaucratic uh, procedure where people are routinely 
uh, put down uh, when they are deemed to be suffering too much. Not to, you know, not trying to, not trying to criticise doctors or argue that they're, uh, you know, they're they're, they're not people who can who would, who would be seek to routinely kill people, but but. You know, it could, it's very easy to see how it could become a, almost bureaucratic procedures. That this person's late stage of this or that disease, suffering to this point, uh, I advise that we go along with a request to assisted suicide. And if someone's suffering a lot, even if they could recover and live a, a lot longer, they might ask for that. And uh, yeah, they have to. They, if they, this, I guess they would put limits on the law where they have to be deemed by one or two two doctors to be. Uh, competent enough to be alert enough to make that decision, but I guess yeah. So there's yeah, there's another interesting point, isn't there, about how the how the how it would work in practice, like the mm. implementation of the mm. the legislation, um, and whether yeah, whether the 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 checks that you put in place are going to be sufficient. Um, um, and so you've got yeah, you might have two doctors' opinions. Well, I mean, those doctors could just be mates or whatever, or husband and wife. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> it's Mister and Mrs. Shipman. <laughs> um, but the, but, the, but there's also talk of like it could be a judge as well, right? It could it could have to go through like a court, like the courts yeah. as well. And then it's like, well, that could take like for yeah. a while, you know, it could take forever. Um, and then it's getting the balance between those things, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, they, it's not actually you know. Otherwise, the law is useless because they're suffering all that time through the legal uh, process anyway. Or it's so quick that it's just a nod from a couple of doctors. I mean, not to, again, not to disparage doctors and them, you know, you know, or, or dogs, or dogs, to imply that doctors, uh, or vets, vets, vets mm. or to imply that doctors, you know, routinely would be just like, yeah, 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 kill him, whatever. You know, obviously, I'm not saying that's how. I don't believe that's how doctors think. Um, so, you know, the safeguard of two doctors' opinions, but you would hope and and, and presume. Um, <laughs> it's not a very scientific argument here. You would presume <laughs> that that two you would you would you would hope that, that two doctors' opinions on the matter would be a, an adequate safeguard to say that okay that's not just something that's just been rushed through, but yeah. you know nonetheless it's it's I guess it, it, even if, you know even if you're not Christian which I, you know we're not we are not uh, I don't think unless you've had mm. any change of opinion in the last couple of weeks. Well, uh, Ben, I wanted to tell you something. Okay. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've tried. I have tried. But uh, no, just nothing but an endless void, really. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, it doesn't mean you don't value human life. Um, you may not oh, yeah. necessarily think it's sacred or, you know, whatever, but it's not something to be taken lightly, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially fat people. Especially fat people. I mean, mm-hmm. all, I mean... Yeah, I mean, fat people. It's hard are to take most. them lightly. Yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> lost. What was the? Sorry, I just feel like a, I feel like I was just drawing out the mor- same point over a long. Such a morbid subject. It's such a morbid subject. A, uh, life is sacred, and I'm going to describe that in many, many sentences. So, I, I just get that. I basically, I just get. That. I get the emotional arguments against, but I don't, I don't think. I don't think they're as convincing as the arguments for, um, but they're they're very convincing that, that make you made me anyway. Should I say made me reluctant to just say for certain? Yes, of course we should allow that. But as I've described, 
in the monologue, seeing my father be allowed to assist, assisted to die, and we're all having to not use... I mean, my mother was essentially saying, can't you just... <laughs> not to make a sound like she was trying to kill him off, but he was suffering a lot in a way that neither of us had seen and obviously wanted to be allowed to go. And so... But she was, she was kind of the police her language to make it, you know, can you can you reword that? Can you ask that again? But in a slightly different word that doesn't sound like we're mm. assisting him to die. And it's a bit of a farce, really. And I just, I just thought, I mean, this must happen all the time. This must happen yeah. up and down the country. Uh, my mum said that this was essentially what happened to her father. And so it's another one of those things where it's like, well, why do it in this hush-hush unofficial way and that you know are we not already therefore having some of the downsides of assist dying on a in a unofficial in the shadows sort of way you know should we not actually bring it out of the shadows and just admit what we're doing and in fact you know as i say my dad was my dad didn't really suffer that, that like sort of extreme unbearable pain into the last day of his life other people it, it's prolonged and they mm. might already have lost their quality of life and uh, should they not be allowed to make that decision? Um, you know, it, it, you know we've, we've made suicide legal. <laughs> it's kind of you know, one of those things that if you succeed in it, you're not really worried about being arrested. But you know what I mean? It changes the way we look at it. Not that I'm saying it's a good thing. I'm sure most people who commit suicide probably are making a bad decision. But, uh, but um if you have a terminal illness and the only way is down and you're not going to recover and all the, your life is going to be pain and people seeing you diminished, you want to make a decision to bow out of this life before it, your life is just nothing but pain. Then um, it feels kind of cruel to, to deny it because of personal moral arguments or, or we feel bad that we're doing that, you know? Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, the, one of the interesting things I've read about is, um, of course, there are countries, aren't there, that, that way, like, you know, Switzerland, where you can go to and you can have it done. Um, um, and what we've got at the moment is people going on these kind of, you know, mm. euthanasia, youth, I don't know, what do they call it like euthanasia holiday? Or <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's a one-way holiday. It's not really a holiday. Yeah, it? <laughs> not a great yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not coming back from that holiday. You um, have to see a bit of, do you think we'll see a bit of Switzerland before? You know, ooh, really nice yeah. sights. Right, let's go. Yeah, air, air, Should we go now? Should we go now? Do yeah. the test. We've got an appointment at five. Let's yeah. go and have an ice cream or whatever. I don't know. I don't um, know how it works. I'd want but to then, go and have a but meal then, before. But, yeah, but then what that puts on people is is they've got they've got to they they're doing it early. They're, t- they're making that decision earlier mm. in the process um, because they don't want to get so ill that they can't make the journey over there. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I read some story, yeah, about about a, a guy who'd who'd gone over there quite late and it had just been like horrific and he'd been mm. like, you know, he'd be to the point where he was suffocating because he couldn't deal with you know the, the air flight. conditioning yeah. and flight yeah. and stuff like that, um, and just it being like a, a horrible ordeal. <laughs> um, and that's just not a good situation to be putting citizens in, is it? I mean, I suppose that's not a... I don't know how good an argument that really is, thinking about it now. It's like, well, because other countries have jumped, then we should jump. No, um, but it's all kinds of... I mean, a globalised world where you can do that and people yeah. are going to put themselves through that ordeal to do that, um, then actually, you know, almost a bit like... I mean, that's a different issue, but, yeah, I think the sort of thing you were thinking about, like drug laws and other things like that, where 
the laws are changing all all around you. At some point, you do have to think that you know there's got to be some way you meet in the middle and and just accept that that's something people are going to want to do, and you can't sort yeah. of stop it. Yeah, um, and I think there's a big um, degree of that in the uh, in the argument that that there's increasingly so many people who want to do that that you're kind of swimming against the tide, and people who are not ill and not suffering. Uh, it's very easy for them to theoretically argue about these things, you know. And I feel like, yeah, we could have a big theory or theoretical discussion about all the negative sides of it. And then if we were met by someone who was in a lot of pain and said, look, I just want to go with dignity, then we'd both be like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. Because then yeah. suddenly it's not in theory you're faced with someone who really does want that. And you have to accept, why can't they have that choice? It's not... I know it's not just affecting them; it will affect others. They will suffer from it, but that's that's death for you, <laughs> you know. And and and, if, and I, I think that this is the thing about issues that the arguments against are all valid, and probably there'd be a minority of cases, like you know, we say where it's done arbitrarily or or it's done prematurely or whatever, where that would that would happen, that will happen, um, but it will probably be a minority. Um, I don't think people in general do take their own lives so lightly. Um, yes, I know that people commit suicide and people who are suffering uh, that might lean that way as well. But people in general don't just take their lives so lightly that they would just be asked to 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 be assisted to die just because of... You know, there's always there's generally going to be a solid reason behind it. People don't yeah. don't want to meet death for 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 no reason. You know, um, it's it's not necessarily a no brainer, but yeah, as I said, it, it kind of just feel like that sometimes when you're when it's in front of you and 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 to be confronted with you know my own personal experience and being being happy to see someone alleviating suffering by assisting my own relative to die it's a bit then hypocritical to then be like well can't just allow that to happen to anyone because of x y and z or i might go wrong or whatever um and as i said in the monologue public opinion is so solid behind it's three quarters of of the public surveyed and solidly left and right conservative labor all agree on the matter democratically there's no argument against i think that's the strongest argument for it really isn't yeah. it yeah so you know and these are people who are you know 75 percent of the public so you've got a lot of people who are i've got direct personal experience a lot of people who are thinking about themselves and what they would feel like and a lot of other people who just think about it theoretically uh there's it's very difficult to argue against that three quarters of the public you know again and, and that's consistently over the years these have been opinion measured and it's always been in favour um, MPs only 35% of them agree with it but I tend to think that uh, and this is just my own thinking as well it's very difficult for me to believe that 75% of the public agree with assisted dying and only 35% of the M- MPs do I just think maybe they're out of step because they think that's what they should think or they are concerned about such a radical change in the law um, if you're the one setting the law, then it can maybe it can look like you're um, taking the issue lightly, or you're 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 sort of malicious in it, or cold. I don't know. It's just it's such a big gap in opinion 
that they are, it's maybe they're just scared of what what the the principle of the thing and how, what it really means. Yeah, terrified. Um, so what? Well, so we're going to round this off then. So euthanasia for all politicians? Is that yep, what you're saying? Yeah, basically, um, kill yeah. anyone who wants it. Uh, I mean, I assisted <laughs> dying. You know, I I took like the news here. News Eve. I took. Have you ever tried dihydrocodeine? It's like two or three times as strong as codeine. Feels really mm-hmm. nice. Took enough of them. And I tried to assist myself to die. Didn't yeah. work though. Slightly different thing, isn't it? It is. It is. Sort of. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a different thing. And that's the point, Matt. And that's the point I was making. Because, you know, suicide, good, good. it's not assisted suicide. I mean, good, it is just, sort of suicide. Yeah. But if you're going to die anyway from a terminal illness, why should you do it with no dignity and in extreme pain? Um, yeah. You know, it's. And if, you don't want to see your own relative suffer and die in pain you know dying painfully when they don't have to they don't have to be like that you don't have to draw out the suffering why should someone have to go through that and why should their loved ones have to go through it they shouldn't they shouldn't right is that it then yeah we're just going to skirt over you yeah you just um account of your your own suicide attempt but yeah cool um let's go shall we do <laughs> is that oh, anything no, else about it. if you've been um, listening listeners let's um hmm. let's move on to other all this shit. What other shit would you like to talk about today, Ben? What's on your mind? I would like to talk about Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald. A comedian who has sadly died recently and who I was not even aware of until about a fortnight ago when a mutual friend of ours said, this guy's very funny, you should watch you should go. You should have a deep dive. Go down the wormhole. Watch everything is done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, intended to do that, hadn't done it. A week later, he dies, much to my friend's surprise. And then that's when I decided to do a deep dive and, and find that he's one of the funniest people that I've ever come across and charming. And in a, in the space of a, a week, watched so much of Norm Macdonald that I start to see him as. Sort of a surrogate father figure starts thinking like, <laughs> God, I wish he was my dad. He tells dad jokes in such a hilarious way with his, got these yeah. glittering sort of funny eyes that become so endeared to him and then start sort of mourning his death on the space of a week. It's quite an emotional week. <laughs> it's very, very funny. It's frustrating though because I'd now like to describe to you why he's funny or tell one of his jokes. I'm not a good joke teller. But it's, it's very easy... He just tried to describe one of his jokes or some of the things he said. You wouldn't be able to do it justice at all. Uh, no, especially no, as he tells they, some they, they jokes, don't... some jokes that are objectively poor jokes, dad jokes or whatever. But he tells them and make you laugh, even if it's just because the way he tells them or how it convoluted it is, or because of the way he looks or something. Comment he makes immediately after, he makes it funny. You can't replicate that. Yeah, written down his jokes don't work. 
Um, but it, this, that's why they're funny. Um, it's um, the, his delivery, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the look on his face. Yeah. When he tells them as well. I mean, you can hear it. You can hear it even if you just listen to him. We probably should listen to one or two of his jokes. Um, but, but yeah, especially his face, like a, a very a cheesy, shit-eating grin. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. like, yes, I've just told that joke yeah. and I expect it, you to laugh at it, even though it's crap. I know it's crap. Yeah. We, all, we all know it's crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, well, it's quite remarkable as well that um, a lot of the clips he watched are from his podcast uh is which was also you could watch as well um norm mcdonald live and then you have the netflix special i think norm mcdonald live started 2013 so he'd already been diagnosed with cancer um so he'd have about yeah. a 10 year battle with cancer similar to uh i mean you could tell so yeah you could well i mean you can sorry in hindsight for me looking back at the videos you can see and I recognise it as well, because I say with my, my, my own dad, and I bring that up because he was, was more or less 10 years, and, and so I can, you know, from looking at uh, personal experience, see there's long periods where he was fine, living a normal life, other periods where it's, you, all you could see from his illness was really was sort of things like fluctuating weight, and uh, mm. sometimes it's... Slack, slack jaw, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, uh, glazed eyes. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, and sometimes it'd look ill and like and other times it's fine and it's just kind of kind of fluctuates like that so i mean later later years looks more sort of bloated and starts going grayer and things like that um and but throughout the all he starts his podcast he does stand-up specials and he's very very funny and they see the shock in a lot of uh comedians expressing their condolences because he's people who might have seen something was up still didn't know that he'd been battling cancer for 10 years um something very dignified in that and also just his ability to be so funny throughout all that is really it's quite remarkable it's a bit of a gift really so is there a particular clip that we should play well i think as i mentioned to you that probably the best one to listen to that you could translate over to listen to is is dr joke which I think I would love to. Doctor, he's love to doctor of to, Logic. He's the Doctor of Logic joke, isn't he? Well, no, there's, no, 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 no. Yes, he's. Oh, it's not that yes, one. Yes, that one. Also, if you can look at that on YouTube, Doctor of Logic. His Doctor joke with his wife. They're going to play now. His wife in a coma. His wife in a coma. Yes, yeah. that one. Oh, yeah, we play, play that one now, yeah. My uh, wife <laughs> went into a coma. Oh, sorry to hear that. And, uh, the doctor said uh, to me, you won't hear this from any 1935 comic. <laughs> he says to me, there's one way to wake her up, but it's a little unconventional. You go in there and you have oral sex with her. I said, by God. <laughs> he says, I've seen it work. I said, well, I'm willing to try. <laughs> so I go in there. I'm in there about five minutes and I come out. I said, doc, she's choking. <laughs> But that's modern medicine that's for you. That's modern medicine. We're going to take a break. I'm going to find out what's that's happening here. That's modern medicine. <laughs> that's an objectively good joke. I wish I could. I want to go and tell that to people at my workplace, but I'll never be able to do it because I can't tell it's a joke. It's not going to work. No, I can't tell it's a joke. I'll just work. send them the link. 
Yeah. Anyway, that was that was funny, wasn't it? Um, the um, the the other joke of his that I did like was the Michael Jackson one, and that I thought that demonstrated quite well what. It, what I don't know. What, I don't know. That was funny. I don't know. There is a really good Michael Jackson right. one. We will play Michael Jackson one now as well. The nation is still reeling from Thursday's bombshell announcement that Lisa Marie Presley has filed for divorce from Michael Jackson. According to friends, the two were never a good match. She's more of a uh, stay-at-home type, and he's more of a homosexual pedophile. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know what, actually? It was my joke the other week, my stand-up pat of the other week, wasn't it? That's actually similar to a normal joke. I've, God, I'm funny as well. What stand-up the, um, You know, the, the, um, the least, my least favourite American import. Uh, yes. Chlorinated chicken. I definitely listened. I did listen to that episode, and I really thought that landed like, yeah, like lead on a on it, a glass pane. It tastes like you're eating a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know that you'd been desperate to tell that joke the week before, either, uh, the <laughs> fortnight before. He kept it all that time. It's the only joke I'm, I've ever written, and I'm I'm working on You've the next one. It? You didn't write. Take me another. Th- yeah, of course I did. Whoa, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't realise. I thought it was a joke you were retelling, the fact that you created it. No, no, it's my fucking oh, joke. Sorry, I'll give you a bit more credibility then. Yeah. 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 Another 37 years, we'll, we'll have another one as well. So what else? What else are we going to talk about? Things that you still do now as an adult um, that you used to do as a kid, right? Things you used to do as a kid that you still do now as an adult. I'll give you an example, and this is a, this is a, it's fairly childish and embarrassing. You know how childish I am. F- furious masturbation. <laughs> That's too obvious. That's too obvious. Um, I mean, it might be more furious than now than ever. I don't know. Yeah. So here's something. Here's something. The fury is intense. <laughs> well, this is yeah. a genuine thing, right? I'm not making this up. So, as a child, I was a big fan of the Terminator films. Um, you know, so yes, yes. something that I used to do as a, as a child in the playground or whatever was imagining, you know, in the Terminator, um, Terminator Two, both of them, uh, the T the T one hundred with the red vision. As they, sorry, it goes, shows you from a first-person perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in red and it's scanning the environment, yeah. all that, and the statistics or whatever the hell coming up on the screen. So I used to do yeah. that. You know, I used to imagine that. Um, we used to play Terminator in the playground screen. for a start, but also just mm. in general in life. And then I'm, I'm, I've done that throughout my hand. So even now, at the age of 36, if I'm in the supermarket looking for something on the shelf, I will then imagine... <laughs> I would imagine the red red visualization of uh, of the terminator and start scanning the environment with a, like a sort of the grid will come up in my vision and I'm scanning for the kind of beans or if I'm looking for a child or my wife amongst the crowd I will then do that as again with a bit of the beeping as a bit of sort of robocop as well scanning with mm. a grid I've got amongst the crowd did, 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 you know yeah that's robocop yeah yeah it's a bit robocop a bit terminator but yeah there's Still do that now, uh, and I will do it again. Uh, don't know why, but it's right. something I've never stopped stop doing. Is there anything... Hmm. <laughs> not necessarily like that, but <laughs> please help. Please, please say there is. <clears throat> no, you've put me on the spot there. I can't think of anything. 
Um, do you ever does anything physically happen to you when you're under stress that that shows that tells you that you're stressed? Does anything happen to your body? Anything happen? What you mean apart from like physical manifestation, like habits, like biting fingernails and stuff? You mean like? Yeah, I don't know. You you always do this to me. It's like I'm going to ask the question because I'm just I've got okay, a thing to say. Okay. I when I get really stressed, my um my farts like really really smell. <laughs> do you get that? <laughs> no, that's my just farts not really smell. That's my normal. I get I get I get stomach aches when I'm stressed, and it and it makes my uh, makes my farts <laughs> that smell disgusting, like put- putrid. I sweat more. I feel hot, and generally just yeah, get agitated very quickly. Don't think I don't think some sometimes I've known I'm stressed by the smell of my farts before I've actually known that I'm stressed. <laughs> right, I, that's that's true. I'll be like, oh god, I'm stressed. What's that? And I'm like, oh shit, of course I'm stressed. This loads of stuff's happening. But yeah, I mean, everyone has physical manifestations of their stress. I think mine comes out in in sweatiness, agitatedness, mm. and and uh, yeah, I start to feel hot. I don't know if I fart smell yeah. worse than normal. Mine is definitely in the bowels. When I used to play in the band. Um, Often before a gig, I would have to go for a you know a bit a big horror horrible crap. crap Probably here. have when it extreme stress comes in, then yeah, something happens down there for sure. Which is kind of weird, isn't it? I don't really know why that is. It doesn't really help the situation yeah. at all. It makes things worse, if anything. It's a funny old world, isn't it? Not nah, as queer as folk. Anything else? Uh, no, not really. No, do you want to play another from Norm McDonald? Why not? You pick one. Joke? Uh, I don't know what this one is. I'm just going to find one and play yeah, it. Yeah, right now. Now, not all your material comes uh, from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, you, some you, of my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm-hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> We send we send cars for our guests. Yes. Yeah. So I got in it, and that's I, you know I get material that way. So my driver, what do you mean? What, what, how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. <laughs> you, yeah, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh-huh. he, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth, <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm-hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. <laughs> Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, Yeah. And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night I, I sometimes wake up and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. 
a lady that I once loved, Doc. I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She, she fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. The cold took her down, as it did many of us. And my other boy... And this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy, Gregario Ivanilidovich. I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How long all, a drive was this? Do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc... Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth, just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, because the light was on. My congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end. <laughs> so, so Norm. What? <laughs> so what we're saying is, Norm MacDonald, brilliant comedian, very funny man. Uh, we all enjoy deep dives into YouTube, going to YouTube wormholes. I have to say that in the last week or two, that has been bringing me a lot of comfort and pleasure mm. uh, in amongst my various mood swings. So I commend that to the listeners. Good, good. Shall we say goodbye then? Yeah, we should say goodbye. Um, uh, if you want to follow the podcast at UnravelPod on Twitter, The Great Unraveling on Facebook, uh, we'll be recording again. We should have another release in two weeks. Subjects coming up. So, subjects coming up, we're going to be talking about Brexit again and the God. situation we're in. God, the, all the, the perfect storm, the perfect storm of things that seems. What about it? The perfect God, yeah. storm that we're suffering yeah. that all seems to coincide with Brexit happening. That's yep. going to come up. What else? Uh, Jemima Kelly, journalist for the Financial Times has recently written about how suicide rates dropped during the lockdown, and I was interviewed by her about my... Uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that I tried my best to reverse the statistics by giving it a go a couple of times. I was co- Maybe it's maybe people just failed more. Yeah, maybe. Is it, is that, yeah, because they're more drunk. Yeah, yeah, so fucked. They weren't even able to do that right. 
Um, so that's interesting because we have touched about that and mental health in lockdown and my mental health in lockdown and um, probably have opined on that before and and, and, and I do... And, we have, yeah. yeah and so I, I, I had yeah. presumed that suicide rates might go up. In fact, yeah. I did write an article once and later corrected it that... I think I accidentally had said it was published as me saying suicide rates have gone up. I had to later change that too. You did, uh, yeah, you did mm. say that, yeah. yeah. I be and that, yeah. Um, that was a mistake, and I had to correct it to say I I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they go up. Well, I was wrong. They went. Oh, you literally just went back and doctored yeah, the, yeah, no, the no, no, original no, article. No, no, no. I thought you were going to say you put like a caveat. No, there was no caveat. I, I went back to the telegraph and said I shouldn't have said this. That's not really what I meant. Um. And had to correct didn't myself. Mean to lie and make things <laughs> up. <laughs> I didn't mean to lie. I, I, I sounded more sad than myself. I got a little over enthusiastic and started to make mm-hmm. things up. You know how it is. It's a stressful time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they went down there. They went down, and uh, they're going to explore that subject. And uh, and uh, Jemima Kelly will come in at some point in the next few weeks. Uh, and um, yeah, that's, those are things that are floating around. That's enough for now. Yeah, there'll be some. We'll find some else. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, goodbye. Yeah, take care, everyone. Bye.